Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 15. Here's Pastor Ryan. And so King Asa, as you know, uh, is reigning in Judah, uh, and we have been told that he did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. He's a good king, and uh, his eyes were on the Lord, and uh, he had uh, made wonderful reforms at the beginning of his uh, reign. He took down the, the pagan altars and the, the wooden images and all of the pagan uh, spots of worship there. He, he got rid of them all, and he also uh, called the people to seek the Lord and to honor his commandments and his law. And so there was a real reform. And uh, so God blessed the kingdom because of him. And that's what God does when a leader of a nation seeks the Lord and gives himself to God and to his word. And But he also does it to families. He also does it on smaller levels, on micro levels. And so God is that kind of God who sees and blesses those who would make reforms towards him. And that's exactly what he did uh, in Esau's life and for the whole kingdom. And, and so he gave him peace for 10 years. And then as we read, after 10 years, his uh, faith in God was tested. Uh, uh, Zerah, the uh, Ethiopian, came up against Judah with one million men and 300 uh, chariots. And uh, Judah was outnumbered and outmatched by this enemy that came up from the south. And uh, Esau trusted in the Lord, even though he was outnumbered two to one. And he cried out to the Lord. And he said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you, and in your name we go against this multitude. And so the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah, just wiped them out, two to one, outnumbered, outmatched, didn't matter. God was on their side, and the Lord and his hosts took them out before him. And uh, uh, Judah chased the Ethiopians as they fled, and they were able to gather all kinds of treasures from the Ethiopians and take them back to Jerusalem. And so God really blessed King Asa for the reforms that he made. And then in this chapter, we read last week that the prophet Azariah, the Holy Spirit, came upon him, and he went out to meet Asa out in the battlefield in all of Judah, and he said to to Esau and to Judah, if you see, if you, the Lord is with you while you are with him. That's what he said. And if you are, if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And so the Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. And those were wonderful, encouraging words after a, an amazing victory uh, that just happened before the king. Is a beautiful affirmation of the Lord, basically by the prophet, encouraging him. What you saw was indeed a miracle. It was the God of, of Abraham, the God of Israel, that gave you this victory. Don't forget it. Remember, 
that the Lord is with you while you are with him. What you've been doing, Asa, is a good thing. Keep it up because this is where the blessing of the Lord is. The blessing of the Lord, the promises of the Lord are with those who seek him, with those that uh, walk in his commandments. And that is basically what is being told here. Don't forget this. Do this. Uh, the Lord is with you while you are with him. And we'll read in the next chapter why that this moment is so important. Because the reality of the human heart and the sinfulness of man's nature is that we can quickly forget the benefits of the Lord and all of the mighty works that God has done in our life and begin to lose confidence in God. Can you imagine that? But it happens to this king after seeing one million men chased off, defeated by the Lord, when he only had 500,000. That's something that God did not want him to forget, did not want Judah to forget, because our God is mighty in power. And if we forget to have confidence in him, then we're in trouble. Amen? And so it was a beautiful affirmation. Keep, keep doing what you're doing, basically. And then in verse 3, uh, he begins to give a summary of what has taken place spiritually to the nation of Israel. It's, he says in verse 3, For a long time Israel had been without the true God, okay, without a teaching priest and without law. But when in trouble they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought him, and he was found by them. And in those times there was no peace to the one who went out, nor to the one who came in, but great turmoil was on all the inhabitants of the lands. So nation was destroyed by nation, and city by city. For God troubled them with every adversity. But you be strong, and do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And so it's a, it's a sad summary of what had happened to the nation. There was no more teaching priests there. There was no honoring of God's law there. And, um, and he said there's just adversity that's been, that had been poured out on them by God. That nation was destroying nation. And so Israel was in turmoil. And uh, yet there's a little glimpse of hope within it that those who, when they were in trouble, called out to the God of Israel... He was found by them. So there's that grace amongst the reality of a, of a summary that isn't positive for the nation. Well, this reminds me of how the world is today. It's like there is no teaching priest. There is no uh, honoring of the law. And it really is like a, a, a summary of our country, the world around us. There's so much lawlessness. There's so much godlessness. And the reason why the world is in so much trouble, if you boil down to what is the problem, it's the lack of the word of God being honored in the world. Satan has been trying since Genesis to get rid of the law of God, get rid of his scriptures, get rid of the ways of God all over the world since Genesis. And we see it's getting worse and it's getting worse and it's getting worse. And you see all of these adversities uh, happening in the world. You see all of these Wars that are happening and uh, famines and uh, diseases and just turmoil and all of this madness that we're living in today. It's, it reminds us of the days that we're reading about. But we're in the same type of days. 
And yet there's grace here. Paul said uh, to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, you know the verse uh, well, I'm sure. He told Timothy, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unloving, unholy unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. That's the condition of the world today. We're in perilous times. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 6 through 8, he says, and you will hear of wars and Rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Man, that's us. That's not just Israel in this time. That's us today. It's so applicable. The world is... We, I can be here all day, and if I get started and I open up that can, I'm sure a bunch of worms would come out, but there's so much disinformation. There's so much conditioning and propaganda. You don't know what is right and wrong. The world is so confused, and, and yet there's grace. God knew perilous times would come. God knew that he would send adversity to the planet because the planet is rejecting the word. There's no more teachers. They are heaping up for themselves uh, priests and pastors to tell them what they want to hear. Teach them the things that they want to hear because they have itchy ears. But we are in serious, desperate times. But yet we look in our story and there's hope. Is there not? But Jesus is coming and he's our greatest hope. Amen? We think of the cross. We think of the punishment he took that he was born to die for our sins. And he did that. So wonderfully, we love him for it. He took away our sin. He took away our shame. He took away eternal damnation that was set for all of us. His blood did that. His actions did that. And when he rose on the third day, he justified us. He came as a humble servant, as a humble king, riding lowly on a donkey. But he's coming back in a way that's going to be terrifying for this world. Absolutely terrifying. For some reason, it came to mind. I don't know. Maybe because I'm weird this way. I don't know. I just I think I mentioned it to, to the wife as well. I said, honey, do you know how many people God's going to kill one day? Just came to the thought. Our Jesus is so wonderful. He's the Lamb of God, but he's coming back as a lion of the tribe of Judah. And there's so many people that are going to be killed, righteously killed, who deny, who deny their creator, whose hearts are so hard they would have nothing but wickedness in their life. He's going to come and really kill so many people. David prophesied concerning the Lord in Psalm 110. It's his psalm. David's like one of his famous ones. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. He prophesied that Jesus the Son would sit at the right hand of the Father as things are being played out in this world getting more and more adverse and more and more dark and wicked. And yet Jesus is there with his sword sheathed, 
ready. He's coming. He's coming. In Psalm 110, the same psalm, in five verses later, in verse 5, David would say, the Lord is at your right hand. Speaking of the Father, the Lord is at your right hand. He shall execute kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the nations. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall execute the heads of many countries. That's heavy. That's our Lord. You think about all the pieces playing in our story. A million men came against his people. And they were no match for his people because his people trusted in him. And the prophet reminded them, don't you forget this. He is with you as long as you are with him. So all the madness that's going around in the world, people, everyone's afraid today. You tell them, don't you fear. As long as you're with the Lord, he's with you. And there's grace and there's a way of, of joy and exit. We have to pray for the nations because they're in this condition. We have to pray for Israel because they're part of that condition. Amen? Israel here, Israel in our story, Israel today. Israel today is ripe, ripe for deception. They were the most locked down, green pass must have country in the whole world. They led the way. Ironically, they are ripe for deception. You ask the religious Jewish of Israel, who, how will you know who your Messiah is when you see him? They say, most of them will tell you, he will build us our third temple. But we know in our Bibles that the one who builds their third temple will be the Antichrist. So they're ripe for deception. So we must pray for our nation, the nations, the churches of the world, that there be teaching pastors and the word would be honored. And pray for Israel. Because God loves them and they're going to go through some tough times. Tough times. And we owe it to them to pray for them. Because it was through them in the city of David, the little town of Bethlehem, that our Messiah came in and saved us. So the least we can do is pray for Israel. Amen? Amen. All right. In Revelation chapter 6, verse 2, it says, And I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. The Antichrist is going to come on the scene when the church is out. The church is out of the way, and he's going to go conquering by the power of Satan that's behind him. And so we got to pray for Israel. We got to pray because he's going to deceive them. And so back in our text, so nation was destroyed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every adversity. So we can say about all the adversity we see in the world today, what can you expect? It's a fallen world. It's in a, we're in a Christ-rejecting world. Of course there's going to be calamity. Nothing should surprise us. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. But fear not, the Lord says, for I'm with you. In the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of what? Good cheer. So it's not don't fear only, but be of good cheer. Oh, Lord, how do, I, how do I be of good cheer in these times? You spend time with them. 
You, you be still and know that he is God. And ask him for a tender heart. Spend more time in prayer than you ever have. And don't leave until the anxiety and the worry and the doubt leaves. God just may be calling some of us to get crazy with prayer. And it take like a whole day to get better of prayer. You know? Sometimes the soul calls for a four-hour session. Things are that crazy in our lives. So whatever it takes, take the watch off and let the Holy Spirit tell you how, how much God wants to pour into your life through prayer. If you need passion, if you need zealousness, if you need love, if you need long-suffering, if you need any fruit of the Spirit, it's found in, in that place. And you come from that different. So nation was destroyed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with, adverse, with every adversity. But you be strong, and do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. We talked about that last week. Verse 6, And when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded, the prophet, he took courage and removed the abominable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities which he had taken in the mountains of Ephraim. And so he took courage when he heard the prophet speak these words from the Lord. He took courage. Our courage is found in the word of God in our lives. We need courage more than ever. It takes courage to stand against a world that hates the Lord, hates his world and is in rebellion against them. It takes courage to stand against the temptations of the flesh in this world who tries to, through peer pressure, you destroy our children, right? Through peer pressure, destroy people. The enemy is going about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It takes courage to be sober and to be vigilant, to be more disciplined, to study, to pray, to be ready, to have the armor of God. God is calling us to these things in these times. And when we embrace the word of God, meditate on it, study it, to show ourselves approved, workmen and women that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the truth, we will be strong. Strength is, is in, 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 it can be summed up in the amount of the word of God we allow to come into our hearts and in our minds. It's the word of God. You know, anxiety in the heart causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. What good word is that but the word of God, Jesus made flesh? The word. He heard the word and he was encouraged to do even more reforms. We hear the word. It should encourage us to do even more for the Lord. Cut things out of our life that are taking our, 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 our focus off of God. Get rid of those things. Get, take courage and, you know, surround yourself with God-fearing people and reach the loss with them. Courage. We need it. We need courage for Self-purity takes courage to check ourselves in our hearts and in our minds. We won't allow those thoughts. That we'll take those thoughts captive. That we'll go the way of escape. That we'll meditate on the things that are lovely and pure and good and holy and of good report. It takes courage to stand up to ourselves, to our flesh. That wants to destroy our mind and take our minds captive. It takes courage to tell our flesh, you're not the boss of me. The Spirit of God is. We need courage. I think it was Churchill who said without courage, like all other, all other you know, um, 
wonderful characteristics of a person, they falter without courage. You have to have courage. We have to have courage to do the hard thing, the right thing. It's that grace where he said, but when in their trouble they turned to the God of Israel and sought him, he was found by them. So even in, in, with King Bashan that was their king in the north, who's godless, wicked, like the, there was no, no teaching priests, there was no law, but God saw the hearts of the people, even in the north, that whoever called upon him, he was still ministering to them. They're still his children, you know what I mean? And so it was a beautiful thing of grace. And like I said, we got to pray for the nations. we got to pray for Israel because though Jesus is coming to judge and it's going to be a bloodbath, God Peter says in his second uh, uh, epistle, chapter 3, verse 9, he said, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Though God is coming to judge, though it's going to be bad, he wants nothing more than to see people get saved. And that is why we're here. That is why you and I are alive. That is the purpose of life. Parents, grandparents, that's what we tell our children. You're alive because God wants to use you to touch somebody's heart that they might get saved. But the only way our kids can touch other people is if their hearts are solid for God. The only way we can touch other people is if our hearts are solid for God. As long as you're with Him, he is with you that is the greatest tool of evangelism it is in a flyer it is in a track it is in a billboard it is an advertisement it's a christian that is baptized with the power of the holy spirit can draw in more people into the kingdom of god than all that other stuff put together it's people who truly love god that's when you see uh, because God loves the lost. He wants them to get saved, but we have to be filled with the Spirit and, and willing to be used to get them in. And so he took courage, and he made more reforms in verse 8. He took courage and removed the abominable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities which he had taken in the mountains of Ephraim. And he restored the altar of the Lord that was before the vestibule, uh, of the Lord. And so something had happened to the altar, but now he's making repairs for it. So he's just positive reforms. And, you know, you see, you see repairs happening in the church all the time. It's a blessing to see God's house getting uh, a little, uh, what do you call it, renovations happening. It's exciting. Have you seen any of them lately? Well, I know about them. So, yeah, God is good. It's good. So he restored the altar of the Lord that was before the vestibule of the Lord. Then he gathered all Judah and Benjamin, and those who dwelt with them from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon, for they came over to him in great numbers from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with them. And that's so wonderful and beautiful. So he did not just gather those of Judah and Benjamin. Those were the tribes that were with him, right? That's the southern kingdom of Judah. But they started coming down from the other tribes when they saw that God was with him. 
right? There's, there's something about Esau. There's something about the, the, the southern kingdom. And that something was God. The people had turned to God. They turned to his word. They turned to prayer and seeking him. And that drew those who also wanted to seek after God to leave where they were at in order to go into a kingdom that was honoring the Lord. They left the northern kingdom where King Bashan was and he was a wicked king. And I just love that because God will oftentimes shift people to where the work of the Holy Spirit is being done. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We don't.